For too long, the fertility market has been bewildering, overwhelming, and frankly, I think has downright ignored the needs and difficult experiences of the people they're supposed to be serving. Ovum has made it their mission to change this completely. Now, I am extremely choosy about who I promote on this podcast because I'm very protective of my listeners and audience, which is why you've probably only ever heard one spoken ad like this before. So it's with complete confidence, excitement and pride that I can share this amazing company with you. Ovum care about you, truly. From creating products to support conception and fertility that are designed by doctors and backed by the latest science without cutting any corners, from adding access to meditations I've personally written and recorded inside their pregnancy test boxes, Ovum is founded by individuals who've navigated infertility themselves. I really couldn't be more proud to partner with them and tell you about them. Ovum is driven by the belief that everyone who is trying to conceive deserves better, and I am 100% behind this ethos. So head over to startwithovum.com and use code LIFERAFT10 for 10% off their tests and supplements. Welcome back to the TTC Life Raft. It's episode nine. I can't believe it's been nine episodes of this bad boy. It's a pleasure to have you with me as always. And this is the podcast empowering you through infertility or loss. And I think what I mean by that is just that I try to give you as much comfort and information as I can whilst also connecting you with people that really do understand the sorts of emotions and feelings and issues that present themselves when you're going through this incredibly difficult challenge of trying to bring home a healthy baby whatever that path to parenthood might look like for you and there are so many different stories and in fact I actually want to say right now there are so many angles and things which I do want to address and it's time and it's scheduling but I'm not going anywhere apart from maybe now is a good time to say that I will be taking a wee break from the podcast over Christmas and New Year but it will be back but for this series there will be one more episode after this one but loads and loads of plans in the making for all kinds of other events and things that I want to do next year to help support you so if you haven't already do go to my website and support subscribe it's this is alicerose.com subscribe to my newsletter if you have already and you're going yeah you asked me to do that before and I haven't got anything yet that is because it's all in the pipeline I will keep you in the loop my week has been extraordinary in in small ways because just two days ago I was with somebody who I see regularly I see her every week And I've known her for over a year. And for the first time, because she found out what I do and she stumbled across my website, she opened up to me. And I have to say, it was actually one of the most moving moments since I started doing this project back in February. I call it a project. It's kind of blossomed, I suppose, into many different things. But I started sharing my own story and the things that I wanted to do this year in February and since then this moment of actually meeting somebody who I see all the time but all of a sudden there was this instant connection this incredibly it's hard to describe what it was like but it was almost like she she'd found an outlet she'd found somebody to talk to about what was happening in her life who was going to say something supportive say something to just go do you know what you're not alone and it's been a lesson to me that I I can't fix everyone that's that's not what my aim is I'm not here to fix you I'm not here to but all I can do is connect you or lead you to people who understand and to shine a light on this problem because the more that we do that the more that people do feel empowered because they are able to share their own story with people in their lives and this moment that I had with this woman was this incredibly powerful and tangible almost feeling that what happens when we share our stories is important and it changes how someone copes. As always, you know, you go at your own pace, you do what you want to do. And if you're not in that 
sphere yet of opening and sharing, then there is no pressure to do so. But the relief that I saw on, on her face, the the uh, I, don't, I have I don't really have the words to to describe what it was like but the the her eyes were filled with this pain and this this desperate need to have someone hold her which is what I did we sort of like were draw, drawn to each other like moths to a flame we just kind of came together and held each other and I just said look I I understand I understand and just that that connection was incredibly moving so and I'm going to share just another piece of audio now from a friend of mine who I've shared before actually on this podcast a friend of mine who is an actress and she lives in Canada and she left me a message recently and I'm just going to share it with you now because it's a similar a similar sort of story I just wanted to let you know about this really lovely thing that happened yesterday at rehearsal So rewind to like three weeks ago and it's our first day of rehearsal and there's a pregnancy announcement and it kind of caught me off guard, of course, but I was in a group of of people and and I was fine. It was just kind of like, oh, that's annoying but la la la. Um, And then as the rehearsals were underway, she would talk a lot about her symptoms and everything and and sometimes it would, I wouldn't say get me down, but just be like, okay, but I'm here to focus on acting and the show and not so much about her pregnancy. And one or two of the cast are um, my friends, so they know my story. So they were a little bit sensitive for me and would steer the conversation in different directions or understand if I needed to go to the bathroom, you know. And then it got to a point where I, I was feeling dishonest with my new friend who the one who was pregnant because I feel like if I were in her shoes and there was somebody that I was working closely with who had gone through a loss I would want to know so that I could be sensitive to her so I added her on Instagram and because we're friends I uh, it was appropriate timing anyways and then within seconds she instantly liked the post that I've made about fertility and about your think not what what not to say then yesterday at rehearsal sat next to me and she said thank you so much for sharing everything you do on instagram and she said i'm so sorry to hear of your loss and please let me know if anything i say is triggering for you or how i can be more sensitive to you in the dressing room or And she just basically was just so compassionate and she was crying, but not like, it wasn't about her. She was genuinely heartfelt and being very kind and selfless. And I just thought that I should let you know because the reason that she was able to have this conversation with me is because I posted that. And the reason I posted that is because of you and all the wonderful work you're doing in in helping women to talk about their journeys and all aspects of it, including loss. I hope that didn't sound like I'm just blowing my own trumpet by by sharing by sharing that. But it's just an example of what happens when we make a noise about about this stuff. Let's get on to our wonderful guest for this episode of the podcast, who is such a force of of good. And every time I go on to her Instagram, I just feel this real sense of calm, peaceful energy. And her name is Emily Hodge. She is a life coach and health psychologist and has the most extraordinary personal story as well, which also has a new twist, which she is sharing in this episode as well. And Emily says on her website that something changed with her own cancer diagnosis, which she had when she was 30 years old, when she was also pregnant. She says that it changed because she learned about herself and how she responded to challenges and how she could regain control. And those are the things that she now helps others find and develop. So she is a wonderful person to to bring to you and I hope that she shares so many tools and tips and techniques for ways to cope with the upcoming Christmas season and 
new year as well so keep this one in your back pocket because it might be a good one to listen to again and maybe get some maybe get a notebook and (laughs) just write down some of the stuff she says because I think there's loads of really juicy good information in here so I'm going to shut up and let you have a listen to this this conversation that we had and my apologies because we recorded this over zoom so it's not quite as crystal clear as it always is but I think you get used to it after a while I certainly did when I was editing it so I I hope that it, it's okay for you too. I'm a coach and a health psychologist and that essentially has taken me into the area of working with people around supporting them to lead more gentle lives. And the thing that I found is really important to distinguish in that is that it's not just about what we do and how we live, it's a lot about how we think as well. So a lot of that work around gentle living comes into our mental well-being and feeling like we can provide self-compassion to ourselves because many of us are feeling overwhelmed, stressed, anxious, overworked, busy, pressured, and all of those words in the same category. And really that's come about after a number of years of, I guess you could say iterations within my own business, but also hugely my own personal story. For many of us, right, we start this work because we come to it from some motivation that's happened in our lives or around us. And for me, that really came when I had cancer eight years ago. I was working in the NHS at the time and I always say this, it's slightly interesting and part of it is that I was working in bowel cancer prevention when I was diagnosed with bowel cancer. So it was this kind of, oh this this isn't meant to be happening. (laughs) Like I wasn't obviously necessarily doing all the things that I would have said but I was a healthy 30 year old newly married young woman and so the idea of having certainly cancer and certainly a cancer that's really not within the realms of where I thought I would be was kind of interesting and that really set me off on a whole other trajectory I've always been interested in health and well-being and certainly people's minds that's why I've done the, the work that I've done before all of that but really that was the pivotal moment for me where Lots of things happened in my own personal life, but lots of things changed professionally as well. I was stage two, kind of going on three. If, if it had been left any longer, it would have gotten worse. So thank goodness we found it. And we found it in a very ad hoc way. I had a bit of blood in my poo. It was, you know, being a woman with periods as well, you're like, well, it's probably piles or it's probably... Most people get fobbed off, actually, as having IBS or some kind of um, Crohn's, you know, which is still serious, but it's just it's usually easier to diagnose. And I was very lucky in one sense that I had a GP. Interesting enough, it was a locum that day. And I went to go and see him and said, you know, I've got a bit of blood in my poo. He asked me a couple of questions and then said, just because of your age and because you're healthy, I'm actually going to send you for an extra test. So it wasn't the other way around. It wasn't, oh, you're likely to have this. It was, this is odd for your age and who you are. Um, And that extra test turned out to be the test that would diagnose the actual cancer itself. So in terms of a diagnosis, I have a very very positive story where I know a lot of people my age don't because they will walk around for months, sometimes years with symptoms being fobbed off. Um, And I didn't have that. I can't say the rest of the story was amazingly positive. I am very well now. I don't have cancer and I, you know, eight years post it. It's just all that bit in between is that the sort of difficult part of it, really. And you were newly married at this point. Yeah, yeah. We got married in the May and I was also pregnant. We'd basically had a uh, some kind of honeymoon pregnancy so it was all like oh my goodness I wasn't expecting that but this is cool and that added obviously a whole other element to this part of it which was not only was there this quite quick diagnosis alongside that 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 speed there was this is going to need to be sorted arranged talked about very quickly because of the pregnancy Um, and that manifested itself as within even days actually going to I was in London at the time so we were related to quite a big hospital Um, and I remember sitting in a room with five top 
pop consultants in gynecology, fertility, oncology and surgery. They'd never met each other um, and they'd come into this room to talk about this case because really quite rare to be diagnosed with cancer whilst you're having a pregnancy and the situation was was essentially we wouldn't have been able to keep the pregnancy and so what started off as a very very kind of exciting end to the summer ended up being two very big pieces of news within within days of each other and I think that was where I was saying this sort of trajectory came from for me everything very quickly sped into this whole other world of where I thought I'd be, even by Christmas and by the next sort of summer, through to, oh my goodness, I'm, we're taking in these two really big pieces of news. And we had to treat them as one in, in a way because they all came from the illness. But, but for me, I always felt, and, and some, to some extent to this day, I always feel like they were two separate things. And I was trying to manage the two um, separately within my mind because, as you'll know, we... Fertility in itself is so precious and um, so special to all of us, especially when it's been tested. That's a that's a big trauma. I I I know that to be a big trauma. And then the cancer on its own was a was a big trauma as well. But they almost got squashed together, and we sort of had to run with them being part and parcel of all this. I, as I, get, I say it again and again, but the story that it became really. And so you very quickly had to make big decisions i assume or, or were they even decisions were you kind of told that what needed to happen we it was it's a really good question we were semi given a choice in and i say that inverted commas but there wasn't really a choice in it it was a case of your cancer will get worse and you won't be able to have surgery and chemotherapy your pregnancy is very very early stages and we cannot advise you going ahead with it because of where the cancer was the type of surgery that I was going to need because in that process they also discovered that I had hundreds of polyps in my bowel which meant that they were going to have to remove the whole bowel rather than just resection so the decision really wasn't a decision it was a choice that they have to present you because of how it works in terms of you know they can't be seen to be telling you what to do but there was this, it was a Sophie's choice, I guess you could say. It didn't feel like one at all to us. So I remember saying to my husband, of course, all the things that you would say, which is this isn't happening. This doesn't feel real. I feel like I'm living in a dream. This doesn't feel like it's us. I just, I couldn't, you know, grasp what was, what was going on. But I remember writing quite a lot at the time and I had a notebook and I just wrote lots of, I didn't write a journal. I just wrote lots and lots of bullet points. And I remember saying to him, can we write down why we have to do this? Because I'm not going to remember this. I'm not going to feel like I understand what's happened. And I'm so pleased we did that because I had to go back to that again and again. Now, one could say this part is, is an interesting part to kind of relay as well, because one could say, well, did you even have to make the choice? But it was, it was literally a case of my life being spared or the two of us potentially not being alive you know maybe they're not being a baby or me so yeah that's always been a really really don't know how to describe it really it was I think it's something that that slightly haunted me for such a long time within that process of cancer because I was always and again if we think about the fertility world if you lose a pregnancy the minute that you're pregnant you're you're pregnant and you've got that baby and you think about that life that's going to happen and so I went through cancer and the, the three surgeries, the chemotherapy and everything else that came with it, constantly feeling like I should have been pregnant right now. And uh, that, I'm not going to lie, that was incredibly tough. I didn't cope with it well. I wasn't, I wasn't a very good patient. I was not a happy patient at all. I didn't have one of those kind of, hey, everyone, I'm going to slay this and I'm going to be really strong and I'm... I'm going to hold my hands up and be a really inspirational person for you. I was not that person. I was an absolute wreck and I can totally see why. At the time I couldn't and I felt all sorts of shame and sadness and anger. There was a lot of anger. And now of course, years down the line with, with thankfully lovely work having been done to help myself through that, I can see 
I almost kind of look at myself in this whole other like childlike situation like you poor thing I don't know how that happened it ended up being an interesting part to that year to those two years that really we were going through treatment thank you so much for kind of going into that because I think that's I mean I can't even get my head around all of those things that you had to try and process so quickly can I ask how are you doing now with fertility stuff so you you got your surgery you were in remission you are in remission is that oh totally yeah it's a good yeah. that's another good question it's unclear mm. unclear essentially you could say remission or clear yeah. whatever yeah I don't have cancer <laughs> good <laughs> wonderful wonderful and after that did they tell you how it was going to have affected your fertility did you know at that point whether or not you were going to be able to have children afterwards yes they 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 did tell me but it it was difficult to say because of the extent of the surgery they had to essentially do the surgery and we had to just find out and see because we weren't quite sure again all the way along there was this expectation that because I was young I was 30 when I was diagnosed and I was I was healthy that it shouldn't have been too much although the surgery was in my pelvic area they felt that it would be quite positive we managed to do crazily enough a very quick round of IVF and we got embryos frozen in between the time that I was no longer pregnant and before my surgery so in my mind there was always that and I was thinking well even if something doesn't happen afterwards um, you know we may be able to use those embryos so you, I can give you the detailed version or I can give you the sort of overview version which is that eight years down the line I we don't have a child <laughs> but I can I can flip forward to how what's happening now but within that period of time we waited about two and a half years before we tried because I was still quite ill we went through we tried on our own we then went through three rounds of IVF one with the frozen embryos and that didn't work two with fresh eggs and I got pregnant but we had a really difficult outcome with that pregnancy and I was no longer pregnant after unfortunately a medical termination and then we had a long break <laughs> and a very, very big reflection period with my husband and I. And now I'm at a point where uh, after a, a good amount of mm, reflection time away, really understanding what's right for us and lots of investigations into other things, we are now pursuing another option to be parents. <laughs> That's really exciting news. I mean, obviously, I won't if you're not if you don't want to talk about what that is. Then I won't. I won't you don't have to. No, it's fine. <laughs> We're starting to share anyway. I think when I say this, people are like, "Are you are you pregnant?" I'm like, "No, no, I'm not." And I actually don't want to be now, which is quite a nice place to be for for me, and it's right for me and my husband. So now, and again, I have to sort of I want to say that this is we've had periods where we haven't thought about fertility at all where we haven't pursued anything and that's been really really important it was really nice to spend about two two and a half years just before that after the, the second pregnancy loss doing nothing thinking are we going to live without children maybe this is it maybe this is us and maybe that's coming us coming to terms with it so I've been through this whole myriad of this cycle as as we all know it right like will this be what's us oh let's sort of play around with this a bit I don't know whether this is definite or not but taking it quite easy without making any final decisions and then through a series of events uh, in the last sort of six months to 12 months or so the new process that we're going through is surrogacy in Canada wow oh my goodness this is so exciting <laughs> yeah thank you <laughs> wow okay so you've obviously done loads of research I mean I don't I don't want to like pry into everything but um, <laughs> it's fine it's lovely <laughs> but it's really I mean it's just such an incredible story that you've had and been through and and now trying this new route how are you <laughs> how are you feeling now are you just I'm so excited I am um, I, I I'm so excited like that because I'm I feel like that when people say they've come home, when people say I feel relaxed, I feel like my shoulders are down, I feel like there's no anxiety, I feel that this is exactly right for Dom and I, and Dom is my husband, and 
it just feels like it's the way that we should be having a baby. And again, I don't know. We don't know how this process is going to go. I can't tell you whether I know we're going to have a baby, but I think that my, again, I talk about myself in a slightly third person, which is a bit weird, but like my poor body, I just, I think we've put it through a lot. And I feel like I was holding on to so much about how I thought we should have a child. Um, and I feel so happy that we've been able to release some of that. And that process took a long time. And, and over this summer, I spent a long time thinking about this decision and potentially going another way and journaling on it and meditating quite a lot, not actually talking to that many people about it. Cause I didn't, I didn't want to, we didn't want to, and it felt like it came really naturally the decision. So it feels wonderful and we've started the process we've connected with the agencies that we need to connect with it's all sort of starting to go and i can't explain how different it feels to to me going through ivf to me thinking about how to get my body ready which began to feel like so much pressure and that wasn't anyone putting pressure on me it was obviously what we do we put the pressure on ourselves thinking can I do this? Will this happen? Will I blame myself if it doesn't work? And all those things that you'll be so familiar with that, you know, our community think about as well. Oh, this is just amazing. I just, uh, the way you're talking about it is fascinating because I love how you're saying that you almost refer to yourself in the third person. Because, yeah. But no, but that's, that's such a brilliant technique in a way, isn't it? Because looking at yourself and going, oh God, poor you. <laughs> the other part of it you could say it's slightly dissociating which isn't so positive because that's like saying do you not see yourself as you (laughs) but actually it's quite a good way to start to help yourself in a way it's a technique that one can use because it helps you to see yourself outside of you you're not so caught up in all the things that are going on internally you're saying what what would you do if you were watching yourself I don't think thinking about obviously the training that I've had I don't obviously I know that's part of a technique but I think I've always slightly done that I don't know how or why it's just a what would I do what would I do if I was looking at myself now Um, and it's quite useful in periods like this because it helps you make quite big decisions based on you not being caught up in all the things that you think about gives you a little bit of perspective doesn't it yes absolutely objectivity when it's when it can be so hard to do that because you feel so immersed in everything that's going on yeah yeah that's really interesting in terms of how you got through the initial moment of understanding that perhaps it wasn't going to happen for you personally what what would you say to people who are in the middle of trying to make a decision right now because they aren't sure whether they can continue with IVF or treatment or even just trying naturally you know maybe they've just come to that point where they're going I don't know if this is actually going to work you know I don't know if I can carry a child myself what what would you say to to people um I always I don't want to presume that people are in an emotion that that I would think that that I was in or that they might be in but I do know from obviously the work that I do and having spoken to friends and people in our in the community of fertility that that one of the provide uh, prevailing feelings is panic it's I, I don't know if this is going to happen what should I do and panic being a form of anxiety is a very tightening closing uh, restricting emotion and feeling it's an emotion that obviously we have in our minds but it's a bodily response too without going into the whole debate about whether stress <laughs> causes fertility because you know that that could be forever feeling stressed is just horrible feeling anxious is not a great feeling for anybody anyway nobody wants to add on anxiety and stress to an already difficult situation so that, so acknowledging that there may be a sense of panic about this decision is is step one because i know for me and for other people one of the things one of the manifestations of panic is keep looking keep searching keep going keep finding the people who are going to confirm what i want to do keep looking at that site even though it makes me feel anxious keep staying on that mailing list because i get oh, you know, all you want to do is 
slow things down a bit and step back from that sense of, I don't know what to do. I'll keep looking to, if I slow down a bit and allow myself to stop looking with the panic behind me, it might be possible that I come to a decision, I being me or me and my partner or me with the support of whoever I'm doing it with or friends, you know, whatever the I is in that version. Now, am I advocating for the whole stop looking and the answer will come? I, it sounds a bit like that, but, but without getting too woo-woo about it, it's more about saying, acknowledging where you're at when you're in that that sense of decision so you've rightly pointed out that there's there's key moments in all of this isn't there there's a key moment maybe when you started trying and you realize you might need some help be that whatever help or then you you go to maybe another stage which is more more significant help I suppose you could say or doing significant things and then realizing you may want to stop them that every moment is a point of change and acknowledging that there may be a slight pivot that needs to happen in our beliefs and our thoughts and our feelings along with the actions that we do is, is really, really important. So where am I at with this decision right now? How am I feeling? How am I reacting to it? And very typically in coaching, we'd say, what are my options? But we probably know what options we have. We've known them for years, right? Because that's what we do. <laughs> we plan ahead and we go to the nth degree about where we might get to with our baby options um, but this is more about what's right for me what's right for me and my family what's right for me and the way I want to live what's right for how I feel about myself at this point in time so acknowledging there may be emotions behind it which might be panic which is kind of getting that panic releasing it slightly slowing it down setting out the idea that I can make choices looking at those options with as much calm as there could be and I say that really tentatively that's like telling someone to calm down when they're really really stressed again that doesn't work but us being in a state of a, a level head and a bit more control can help us to feel like the decisions we're making get us to the option that we want I think that's really good advice and it and comes from someone who has been through it you know you're in fact you're going through it right now so it's really amazing that you can kind of talk and you know see it from other people's perspectives as well as actually going through it yourself yeah I mean I, I that's yeah that's really interesting for you to say I think my own personal experience stuff has always gone alongside my work slightly and I think as I've got more confident as a coach I've allowed those things not to cross over because it's not about me saying, if you're my client, I'm going to tell you all about my story. Hey, pay for my time and I'll talk to, I'll talk to you about me. It's more about, it's important that I can genuinely share the things that I know have been important for me and, and the things that I share that are important for others as well. So yeah. I just think like having somebody who actually really, who really knows what it's like is just a game changer because you kind of go yeah you you get it like you've you've had those exact thoughts you've been through those emotions and you've managed to find a way of coming to a decision which is really exciting for you and really positive so we're coming into preparing for christmas time which can be a really hard time for people who are in this situation who either just can't get pregnant or have just gone through a loss or who are in this situation. And I feel like there's such a massive amount of pressure that we put on this time of year to kind of have a really fun time. And, you know, <laughs> there's so much emphasis on families and there's so much emphasis on children, particularly, which I know can be from experience. Again, I, I know how hard yeah. it can be. What's your top tip it sounds very basic, but one of my top tips for anything is our, our awareness. And I'll be very blunt and say that the incidence of anxiety and depression in communities that have been through some kind of trauma is much higher than the average population. So I can relay that in terms of the cancer population as being a higher proportion of people who've had cancer who have higher anxiety and depression. And we know from some research that's come out, I think it was a couple of years ago, that fertility uh, communities have higher incidences of, of anxiety and depression. 
start with that. I'm not trying to say that everybody in the fertility community has it, but I think if we can start to be aware that we're, we're not in a state that is particularly joyful, that it will actually help us to not necessarily pretend that it has to be there. You know, if we're anxious and worked up about events that are coming up, being honest with ourselves and saying, I'm actually really anxious about Christmas is genuinely the first bit of advice I can ever give because it's just this admission of, to ourselves that the reason why we're maybe frustrated with our, our brother and his nephews or, you know, my nephews or the reason why we're upset with our mum because they're not quite communicating it correctly is because we are feeling in a state of anxiety about it. That's okay. That's us being as true to ourselves as we possibly can be. The next bit of advice would really depend on what communication we've given to those around us so of course one of the best bits of advice is do what is right for you which is is it possible for you to go to a christmas day lunch and spend a couple of hours there and then go back home because that's where you feel safe and comfortable is it possible for you to go to one christmas party and not seven and try and drink lemonade because that feels really good try and drive to your christmas parties if you're not drinking at the moment um, you know, all the things that help you feel in control, depending on where you're at with your communication about your fertility. Because there are lots of people who haven't necessarily told colleagues, family, even friends who aren't ready to or, or wouldn't want to express, you know, actually, I'm trying for a baby. Or we've just lost a baby or I'm in the middle of an IVF round. It really is about what's going to be right for you about your level of control. So if you can say to yourself, what I really need from this Christmas period is quiet. And quiet to me means more time at home. How can I possibly get that? That means I'm going to have to say no and no and no to that Christmas party. And it means I'm going to have to take more control about my Christmas Eve, for an example. What somebody else might say, what I really need from this Christmas is support from my friends and family. What does that look like for me? It means me actually sending some of them an email, sharing some of the details about what's been happening and saying what I would love to have happen this Christmas is X, Y, Z. That might be a massive step for some people, or that might just be the very natural next step um, to say, Actually, it means that I can get some love and support and kindness, or it just means they'll forgive me when I don't necessarily stay until Boxing Day or for the seven days that 14 members of the family are all hanging out together. Christmas for me changed about three-ish years ago, three, four years ago. I went through this massive, after the last time that we lost a pregnancy, so much stuff changed um, with my work and where I was going. and one of the biggest pivot points was for me to sit down after that loss and really map out what was going to happen in the next year. And, and one of the things, again, was that level of control. It was, okay, I really need to leave my job now because I can't cope with much more. And my job was a bit stressful at the time. And it happened to coincide. I can't remember, was it October or was it May? But whenever it was that the next Christmas was, I remember significantly enjoying it more because other things were happening in my life that I could finally feel like I had a sense of moving forward. It wasn't a baby moving forward, but it was actually, I'm building what quite an interesting business here. This feels good. This feels empowering. This feels strong. And I significantly remember very selfishly thinking, if anyone asked me at a Christmas party what I'm doing, because usually it's how are the kids, you know, what school are they at? It was, I'm building a business and I'm really excited about it. That was all it needed for me. And then that, that started to change alongside, you know, grief processing and things. But if it's possible for you, if you have been through a loss, if you're going through a treatment cycle, if there's another thing that you have a focus on, bring that to the fore, if only for communicating with others, if only for that. And I don't mean to say, uh, go and find loads of other hobbies because that's just impossible when you're going through IVF and all sorts of other things. And when you're going through loss, you can't just start up seven rounds of yoga, you know, twice a week. <laughs> You're going through other stuff, but whatever it is in your mind that you want to focus on, tell the story to other people that you'd like to be told. And if that's a white lie right now, if that's um, over-exaggeration of something that's tiny, but you're making it bigger, make it that. It's fine. 
this is amazing advice. I just feel like you've just given everyone like five brilliant tools. I've just got to Yeah. But this is the kind of thing that is so useful to kind of have in your head as you head into that Christmas period and you're just thinking, oh, I can't, I can't yeah. afford it, you know, because I think, I mean, I remember what I used to do. I always used to picture Christmas announcements, you know, telling my family over Christmas lunch or whatever that we were expecting a baby or just you have on your mind or you think, oh, I'll have a baby by next Christmas, definitely. And then yes. you still don't and you're still not pregnant. And you just think, oh my God, I haven't, I'm still at square one. I'm still, yeah. you know, I haven't moved on. And that's, that's what I struggled with a lot. I think that, that actually everything you're saying flips that around doesn't it and you, you stop focusing so much on what what you haven't got yeah and actually what you're doing day yeah day. and and I think that's really important because it's not yeah you, you'll know this so much it's not about pretending those things aren't there I, I do I do not believe we can pretend that those things aren't happening I just fundamentally don't and I know that that's what you'll think too it's just that feeling of you know, especially I'm a coach, right? And one of the things I, I'm meant to do is help people to see the positive side of life and encourage them to feel happy and confident all the time. And yet I desperately want to say, no, if you're not, if you're feeling terrible, crappy, sad, please allow that, please. Because the worst thing that we can do is pretend and put some massive game face on it's fine to try it if that feels right for you but if it's if it's constantly happening or if you feel like it's constantly pushing against you not being able to say I am really sad I am really not happy I'm not okay then then please please find a way to say that or find a way to write it or or see if you can say that to yourself because it's okay that you're then equally you know I've I've listened to lots of the discussions that have been going on lately in the fertility world it's your sadness is your sadness it doesn't have to be bigger or smaller than someone else's you'll feel sad because you do it's okay I'm slightly acutely aware of talking about what's happened with me and and slightly aware that there's this feeling of like oh I didn't have cancer so I, I can't talk to Emily about this stuff or I or I or I have one child and I'd like another and I, so I can't talk to Emily about that stuff but I really I think that's why I try and do, strike a balance in my work between sharing stuff that's personal versus this is not about me and my story it's not about you and your story it's about whether you have a platform that that allows someone to share what's going on with them and actually I took that a lot from the early days so in, in the early days of my work I just focused on cancer and helping people to uh, figure out their lives after cancer as I've grown in my work I, I broadened that to not just the cancer community and I work with lots of others around mental well-being and you know this gentle life concept so I didn't want my cancer story to be I want to work with Emily because I've had bowel cancer and because I want exactly the same outcome as her it was, I hope there's, there's been some trauma here. There's been some difficulties that you didn't expect. And there's been a big life change that it's a little bit hard to get your head around. Let's see if we can help you with that. I, I could not agree more. I mean, I just think that allowing yourself to feel that is a huge step in actually moving through it isn't it and processing it and you know I share my story a lot and I'm very aware that I come from a place of potentially triggering people because I have a child so I'm always really aware of that and it's a kind of weird you know we're coming at it from different things I can't compete with Emily because she's had oh. cancer I mean the what <laughs> That's just, no and you know no and like Oh, I can't, I can't, you know, Alice can't understand where I am because she's had a child. And it's like, well, it's just going back to that every story matters. Yeah. And you know, sorry, interrupt you, but you know that I've, I've seen this actually as well. And you probably would be aware of this. So in, in the mum community, mm. you, you could end up becoming that when you become a mum as well, right? You could be not, I don't mean to say competitive, but you could end up comparing yourself as a mum. Oh, but yet, if you, if we continue doing that, within our lives full stop it kind of gets us nowhere so if we can be in a place where we understand that someone else has been through something difficult and we kind of understand part of that 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 process that's that for me is what we what's joyful to know i mean i was thinking really about this as well what's common amongst all of these stories is almost the grief the grief of what 
what we would like and the difference between the reality and our expectation. The, the difference between all of us is, is maybe how quickly we get to reality versus our expectation or how quickly we're able to adjust our expectation based on what our reality is. None is right or wrong, it's just what's right for us. And maybe some people would say, well, it's nicer to be quicker in adjusting our expectation if our reality isn't what we wanted. And maybe that is the case for some people, but I, if I look back on my story, I honestly can tell you it's taken me eight years to get to here. Mm. And yeah. eight years because yes, that was cancer and here I am now, but I, this last six months, I don't think I felt as, as well and stable and happy as I do now. Um, and that's with all the training, you know, with all the support that I could probably try and get. And, and I fully admit, I haven't been super well all of those eight years. So, yeah, there's no, there's no, there's no time on any of this stuff. Exactly. Well, exactly. We're all on this sort of journey of personal growth and development all the time with everything that, that happens. And, you know, you hope you just get to know yourself more and more and more. And through doing that, you're able to give yourself what you need more and more and more. And then you feel better and better and better. Yes. <laughs> you know hopefully hopefully that's the correlating graph of what visually that you you can um work towards but i think that's really comforting to hear that it's taken you time to get to this position you know you can't expect to radically transform yourself overnight but you can start to radically transform how you are going to look at what's happening to you yes and you can you can listen to a podcast like this and hear what you've been through and hear how I deal with things and and find new choices maybe in what you're what you what you could move move forward with that was a sentence a long sentence no it's a good um, one <laughs> I think it's actually really good and, and on that word I suppose it's I would have it's really tough isn't it because for a long time I didn't want to find new choices I didn't want to I, I was so upset and sad that this this original choice, this original thing I wanted wasn't happening. And I and none of us can express enough how that is part and part of our own story. If you're listening to this and you're in that state, I get it. I totally and so will you. You it's it's awful to feel like you have to find other options. And it's like that's okay. That's all right that you don't want to or can't right now doesn't mean you have to move forward it just means that at some point something will change and none of us know whether that's going to be amazingly good news or not but something will change that will start this process to change um, and I think like I said I think for me there were a couple of moments where I took charge of that change and it wasn't to say we're definitely going to get a baby it actually went way away from babies it went to the only thing I can control okay so no the few things that we could control was we moved out of London we I changed my job and I got very very um, compelled in my work which I absolutely adore and we got a dog and those are the things that we, I could literally control. I mean, a few other things happened as well, but those have been life-changing for me. None of those three ha- mean baby. Yeah. And I love that you say life-changing again, because I had a, my last podcast episode with Michelle from The Other oh, Chair. Yes. And we were talking about life-changing things. And, and, you know, she made the point that, you know, like, it doesn't have to be these massive, great, big, you know, you don't have to go and change the world. It's not that. It's those changes that you can make like moving out of London or changing your job or getting a dog that are actually life-changing yes you know and I totally adhere to that that really really, like strikes a chord with me because those are the sorts of things that I mean we we didn't move or anything but I I took control in other ways and and you know again that's why I talk, talk a lot about taking ownership and it's that kind of taking ownership of what is happening right now in your life and if that means going to move out of London and getting a dog and that will be completely transformative for you then that's really exciting yes yes and and it's also knowing that ownership is your choice I think for a while I thought uh, if we get a dog people people pity me because they think I have always wanted a child and then it was just like stop Emily stop just stop stop self-sabotaging because I don't care what anyone else thinks <laughs> so yeah. go and get your dog and I love her and she's amazing <laughs> exactly exactly what about new year stuff because that's another I think people feel a lot of pressure don't they to kind of yeah. 
new year new you kind of vibe yeah what's your take on that if if you treat yourself like a bit of a business and imagine that you can have a bit of a planning session for your next, I'm not even going to say year. Sometimes that's just too much. Like in my business, I try to plan for three to six months ahead because I sort of know where I'd love to be my big vision, but I honestly are too, too many months ahead. And I'm just like, Oh, I haven't done that thing. And that's, oh, that's September. That's too far away. So treat yourself like a business. Think about where you want to be from January to March. And that's it. And of course, as you said earlier, Alice, like perhaps a lot of us would sit there and think, I hope I'm pregnant or I hope I'm in my next IVF cycle. Please do have those thoughts. I don't want you to change them, but try and see yourself like, well, what could I do in the next three months that will also help me? Well, that will also make me feel nice and calm. Where did I last actually feel quite happy and stress-free? And where did I laugh? And where did I um, go back to things that really made me feel present and in the moment so obviously people talk about mindfulness a lot and I would say over the new year one of the nicest things that we can do is is yes I'm going to say it's self-care but think about what self-care really really means to you like it might be that it just means I want to read half a chapter of a book um, barely in a day I can't I, you know my reading's terrible my concentration in that sense but what would be nice for me what is my version of self-care so what can I do from January to March that really makes me feel like I'm happy and well it doesn't have to cost money it doesn't have to take up too much time but it does mean that you give yourself permission to have that self-care um, in terms of new year I would suggest how you use social media is probably uh, a a question you might want to ask does social media generally make you feel great and amazing and connected um, but sometimes a bit triggered if over new year you think it might make you feel more triggered for any reason maybe plan some days off maybe plan a week off and just let you yourself know firstly and then people who you follow or the friends that you have in your network I'm not going to be around for a week very happy new year and I'll see you on the fourth <laughs> you know whatever it is only because it's quite easy to go down a little rabbit hole isn't it if you're bored on the 2nd of January and you're like oh I should be doing all sorts of things today I'm going to spend 45 minutes at my kitchen table going <laughs> I'm wasting all that time never wasted though is it it's always fun um, <laughs> but yeah depending on where you're at how you feel about it check out whether you want to be on social media over new year particularly also because frankly I noticed this when I started doing the work I do so I follow other coaches I follow people in the wellness self-development world so for my industry you, you all appreciate this too Alice like it's everywhere like new, new year plan for the new year so I get saturated with all that stuff too and it and I probably try not to add to the volume although I will be doing something over new year <laughs> the irony in a good way in a gentle way so decide whether you are in the right place to be going on social media certainly over new year oh I just love that I think that's really empowering to kind of decide make make the choice always making the choice over where you want your energy to go and do you want to I mean it's absolutely fine if you love social media and you want to spend half an hour on there because it does as you say helps you feel connected then that's wonderful but I I definitely get have you know found my self over the last year since I started the account just trying to find a way of um managing it and I, yeah. I was reading a really good post by Lucy Sheridan who's also been on this podcast oh, <clears throat> who was talking about um you know we're in the toddler stage of social media you know we're all just working it out you know we're so kind of new in 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 it really so there's no wonder that we do get ourselves completely lost and not really understanding yeah. how we're supposed to use it because it's yeah. all it's new so yeah I think that's brilliant advice having a, having a bit of a plan of action for that as well yeah. particularly you know within the TTC community on Instagram you know because it can be it can be it can be a bit overwhelming I think for a lot of people yeah. at the same time of being so supportive I think honestly I've, I've found that in the same sense as and again I don't mean to, I'm not doing the comparison in the sense of one's worse than the other but the similar thing about the cancer community it's so beautifully um, supportive and yet there are times when it, I have to be out of it just because of where your own stuff is at and that's perfectly fine as a professional I recommend people do that you know and as a, if you're using it professionally or personally I recommend that you think about that um, and that maybe is the conflict here as well right because if you have a supportive 
group of people, you're then slightly turning away from them for a bit. It doesn't mean that you're no longer part of the community. It just means you've made a choice to, to surf it for a bit rather than yeah. head into the waves with everybody. Oh, I like that you've brought it back round to, to a water analogy because this is the TTC life raft. So oh, well done. <laughs> quite well there. <laughs> Bravo. Thank you so much, Emily. I won't take any, any more of your time up, but I really appreciate Welcome. all of your brilliant tips. Where can people find you and find out how to work with you as well? Oh, well, my website is coachingemily.com. My Instagram is something I changed actually about six to eight weeks ago. And I said this the other day, by the way, if you change your Instagram, let people know because nobody knows if you change it. It's gentle life, mindful business uh, on Instagram and everything else is coaching Emily. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Well, I'll obviously put all your details in the show notes as well so people can find you. But Thanks, Alice. really appreciate you sharing your story and best of luck with the new the new the new option that you're going down it's so exciting i'm really just just keeping everything crossed and can't wait to hear thank you very much enormous thanks to emily for her time and for all of those juicy useful tips and techniques that she shared so i hope that was really useful i have realized that i did not give you a life raft tool for the last episode my apologies. So this episode's Life Raft tool for you that I want to talk about is music. Music has always been a massive part of my life. And if you are someone who loves music or someone who is a bit like, yeah, yeah, it's cool. I like music, but you know, it's never been a huge part of your life. Music can be this instant mood changer, this massive gateway to unlocking something which is deep within your soul and you know what sometimes you might want to listen to something to kind of get get the tears going even like if you're feeling like you you know you're just frustrated and you just want to scream and shout then sometimes just listening to something which can actually push that button in you which nothing else will be able to do because sometimes you need something which isn't just writing or reading or talking or whatever you actually just need something to access that part of your soul which can actually only be reached sometimes by something like music or art so find something find the thing that's going to help you release that side of you that needs releasing and for me it's either oh god there's all kinds of music that I listen to which really helps me sometimes um embarrassingly I'm actually a massive meatloaf fan (laughs) ah yeah there we go it the secret's out um I love meatloaf so it came on this morning actually on the radio and I just threw myself around my kitchen to shake off some feelings that have been hanging around and that was just annoying so I had a really good dance and I felt way better afterwards also I love I love a good old power ballad but I also love beats I love dance music I actually used to be a bit of a raver in my time believe it or not (laughs) but I I used to go out dancing a lot and I I need that sometimes and I need that connection to that part of me so even if even if you've never identified as someone who is who is a kind of massive music fan there will be music that touches your soul in a way that something else wouldn't be able to so that's my that's my life raft tool for you today go away and listen to some music that helps you to access something within yourself and enjoy it and let yourself be in that moment don't do anything else while you listen to it just listen to it you know whether it's just staring out of a train window and listening to that music or putting it on in your kitchen having it having a dance or whatever it is just really listen to that music and let yourself be immersed in it and just enjoy it music is a gift loads of love to all of you and thanks again for being here if you like this podcast at all if you love this podcast let me know please I love hearing from you and do rate and review on Apple I'm sorry I always say this after everyone but it really massively helps people to find it and keeps me going as well so ratings and reviews are my like my lifeblood like you're feeding me so so go and feed go and feed me put a penny in the slot um and uh, let me know you know how how you're getting on as well I really love hearing from you and wishing you all the best and all the love and and I'll be back next week take care